It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Thursday. Who wants to talk sports? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my host, John Riley. And we are here in our San Diego studios. Our podcast is underway. John, good afternoon. Holy cow. It's the eve of the World Series. We got NFL football. We got college football. We got controversy and injuries in the NBA. We got a ton of topics on the table that we're going to talk about in the next half hour to 55 minutes. Yeah, I'm looking forward. To it. I mean, you shared with me the, the headlines, and I, we got a lot going on today, so let's dive in. John, before we start, introduce to the people Fans Forum and also all the people that are with us on our live stream on all the different platforms and on audio. How can they subscribe to get access to not only our Thursday podcast, but also what we do each day during the week when we add unique sports clips to our podcast? Yeah, so lots of ways for you to get involved and participate. So first of all, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your um, audio podcast. At the same time, you can subscribe to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's YouTube channel. Just click on the subscribe button. And when you click on a bell, um, you're going to get updates or you'll get alerts when we have new episodes, new uh, live stream podcasts. And yeah, Lee, you're right. Every every week we do the live stream on Thursday at 3 and and then we kind of break it into little chapters and we kind of spread that out over the next few days, giving people a chance to take it in in little three minute segments. World Series. Let's start with topic one. This is going to be interesting. Two games in Houston, three games in Philadelphia, two games back in Houston if need be. I guess the only word I can use home run derby, because that's what I think the Phillies and the Houston Astros are going to be. What do you think? Oh, I mean, consider the size of those ballparks, too. And you've got these big hitters like Alvarez and Harper. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to throw some statistics at you. I'm going to read off my cheat sheet here. Uh, Houston, fourth time in the World Series in six years. Do you think people have forgiven them for being the cheating, bleeping Astros, uh, sign-stealing Astros? Uh, if you could ask my wife, the answer is no. <laughs> and there's a lot of people that think that, but, you know, it's, we're now five years out of that, right? So who knows? Interesting. Four off days between the end of the American League Championship Series and the NLCS. That means everybody's pitching staff is lined up. There's no doubt that teams are fatigued, grinding through the season, diving right into the postseason. Four days off to me is huge for the pitchers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they they get a chance to reset. But remember, there was controversy around the Dodgers, you know, and they had those four or five days off and they came out rusty. But in this case, both teams are dealing with the layoff. Houston, 106 and 56 during the regular season, 7 and 0 in the postseason. Philadelphia, last wild card in and they're still playing. How impressive is Philadelphia's record, John? Nine and two in postseason, and the bulk of that was done on the road. And they barely snuck into the playoffs. I mean, right there at the end, they were they were losing games left and right the last few weeks of September, and now look where they are. Astros at home hit two fifty seven with one hundred sixteen home runs. Uh, to use your word, yeah, Minute Maid Park home run derby. That's right. Philadelphia at home. 
in the tr- uh, series against the Padres. 282 team batting average, 282, seven bombs, 13 extra base hits. Philadelphia's hit 16 home runs in going 9-2 and two in the postseason play. And they got only one guy that's hitting for average, Bryce Harper hitting north of 400. But anytime, any place, they can hit the ball out of the yard, and that makes them dangerous. Yeah, Schorber, Hoskins, I mean, they've got a lot of bombers on that roster. Uh, in terms of this Astro team, they got the probably the Cy Young Award starter in Verlander. Now, he's not pitched well in postseason, had one good start, one crummy start. Uh, they got Christian Javier, 1.23 ERA in mm-hmm. postseason. Uh, they've got Framber Valdez, 1.42 ERA. Lance McCullers, who's come off the disabled list, has got a 2.45 earn run average. And in terms of that batting order, Pena, Jeremy Pena, second baseman hitting 303. Yuli Gurriel, the Cuban uh, veteran, hitting 367 in the postseason. Alex Bregman, unsung hero, hitting 333. And uh, Jordan Alvarez, you just mentioned, hitting only 247. But boy, has he lofted some big home runs. So that's a pretty good pitching staff, and that's a really dangerous batting order. Some of the names you mentioned are interesting because some of those guys were with the team when they were cheating in 2017. But a lot of these guys are new. And you know they, they let Correa go in free agency so they can give Pena a shot. And, and they let Springer go. Yeah. So they could give Kyle Tucker a shot. And they've been doing great. Yeah. In terms of Philadelphia, because we're so familiar with what they did with the Padres, Zach Wheeler has a 1.78 ERA. Aaron Nola, who gets a start in game one, 3.12 ERA. Ranger Suarez has come out of nowhere, 2.00 ERA. And Noah Syndergaard, although he's been a spot reliever, spot starter, if he winds up being the fourth guy on the rotation, 1.69 ERA maybe gives you three or four innings. We talked about Harper hitting 419. John Segura hitting 247. Rest of the guys really are not hitting except when they knock it out of the yard, which is a lot. JT Rio Muto hitting 244. Uh, Nick Castillas hitting 220. Schwarber, your guys hitting only 200. And Hoskins, who killed the Padres with long balls, is hitting a buck 82. But like I said with Houston, I say the same thing with Philadelphia. Any guy, any inning, any time, any situation can hit any ball out of the yard, and these are home run ballparks. Yeah, I mean, Hoskins came through clutch so many times against the Padres, and I think that ball that Schwarber hit off of Darvish is still going. I mean, that was incredible. A couple of historic notes, and this kind of broadsided me today when I, I did some research and found out about it. They are playing Friday, Saturday in Houston. They are not playing on Sunday. It's the first time, John, since 1947 they have not played a World Series game on a Sunday. Major League Baseball is a seeding to the National Football League. We're not going to go head-to-head with them, which to me is really odd because I would think Sunday night would be prime time even if there is an NFL game on Sunday nights. That's the first time since 1947. And how about this statistic? You look at the rosters, awful lot of talent. We know baseball has changed where the players come from. Do you know, John, this is the first time since 1950 there's not a black U.S.-born baseball player hmm. on either World Series roster. Now, there's there's tremendous Latinos, the Caribbean, those from the Pacific Rim, but there's not a black U.S.-born player 
on either the Phillies or Houston roster, first time since 1950. So those two statistics are kind of unique. But you know, there's there is Dusty Baker. I mean, he's in the he's in the dugout. But that is that's an interesting stat. But I think that's indicative of a lot of the demographic trends in baseball, and we've been seeing that for a while. Yeah, the game has really changed. And mm-hmm. are you surprised there's no baseball on Sunday? I am, and uh, yeah, you're right. It's they're they're uh, bowing to the NFL, but at the same time, it seemed like they were trying to cram so much of this in because they started the season late, and every day is precious. And if this thing goes seven, I mean, we're going to be drifting into close to Thanksgiving, right? I'm a little cold in Philadelphia, in November too. <laughs> really? So that's where it is. So pick 'em, pal. You got the Astros or you got the Phillies? What do you think? Well, I mean, if you go based on the data, it's got to be the Astros. But the Phillies are just red hot. And if the Padres are going to be taken out by the Phillies, then you hope they go all the way. So I, I've i got my money on the Phillies. I got my money on Houston. You'll be buying me a Philly cheesesteak when this thing is said <laughs> okay. and done. On we go from the World Series. You want to talk about some of the ball clubs? Where do we go next, John? Um, we're going to go back to San Diego. I mean, there's a lot going on now that uh, the season Season's over. Season-ending press conferences. Really interesting to listen to the general manager and listen to the the manager. A.J. Preller, I think, quite proud. Uh, There's nothing so sudden as the finality of your season when you get knocked out of the playoffs or you get your doors blown off. I mean, it's really, (laughs) it is really tough. I've been in those situations broadcasting in the NFL and broadcasting hockey when your season is over. It is a jolt. But here are some of the quotes from the, from the season-ending press conference by the leaders. It feels like a funeral. That's what uh, Bob Melvin said. Uh, A.J. Preller said, we want Soto for many years to come. Nice. They're going to approach him about a contract extension, but we know they have to go through the agent, Scott Boros. They've already turned down $440 million. I don't know that that's going to be easily done. When referencing Fernando Tatis El Nino, who is recovering now from two surgeries and the damage he did to his life and his career with the 80-game suspension, uh, he's hungry, he's learned a lot, he's missed it. And his skill set will allow us to determine whether he plays shortstop, second base, center field, or right field. Uh, A couple of other quotes. A.J. Preller says, I want to build a complete club. Everybody is theorizing he's going to go get a first baseman. He still needs to make a determination what he's going to do in center field. Do they need to get more starting pitching? So there will be some changes on this roster. Uh, Another quote, what we saw last month will serve us well. Sometimes what doesn't kill you, losing to the playoffs, makes you stronger. Keep an eye on that. We'll see if, and again, Teams are different from year to year. We'll see how this team now responds that they've had the taste of baseball uh, in October. Uh, Preller says, we have core guys. We are as good as anyone in Major League Baseball. When they got hot, when they got healthy, they really proved how complete a team they could be. But the team this year will be very different from the team that goes to the Cactus League next February and and the closing comment by Bob Melvin, this has really been a hard year, but what is hard makes you stronger. So, John Riley, you heard all the pointed quotes. Your response? <laughs> well, first of all, I like the Nietzsche bomb that you dropped there <laughs> about making us stronger, you know, what doesn't kill you. So that's good. You know, 
it was it was a in the the press conference made a lot of sense. I mean, I think their comments were rational. Um, they had a great year. There's a lot more that they need to do. There's a lot of holes they need to fill in. But this past year, I think from their perspective, has been a success. They've got more work to do. Um, I did see a quote um, that was circulating that Seidler was talking about Soto, and he said, "Hey." We're ready to talk, so we're ready when Juan's ready. So it looks like they're prepared to, you know, put some money on the table for Juan. And of course, Peter Seidler was asked about budget payroll. Would it ever push beyond the three hundred million dollar level? And he said, "I don't mind spending money. I can't take it with me." That's a pretty good message to the baseball community. And John, this is a really good baseball community. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, we saw the fans come out, but you know, Seidler, like we've commented about him and he's a, how many time cancer survivor? Twice. Twice. Um, So he has a different perspective on life right now and he wants to leave a legacy. I mean, he's a very special man. We're lucky to have him. So that's where we are with the Padres. I hope you enjoy November because the first of December we get to the winter baseball meetings and that's when that guy, A.J. Preller, is going to do all of his different things. From one team in Southern California, take us to the next one. John, what do you want to talk about? Um, I mean, it's got to be the Dodgers. I mean, they're scrambling with their postmortem of their season, too. The picture of that guy will tell the story. The report out of Los Angeles, the Dodgers are holding internal conversations organizationally about making a run at Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is represented by Scott Boros. Aaron Judge turned down $30 million a year during spring training from the New York Yankees. He sets the home run record with 62, finishes with north of 130 RBIs. He did hit 311. He faded really badly. I don't quite have the understanding of how he could hit 311 and all those bombs all year with all that pressure and hit 068 in postseason play. Has to wear that around his neck. But the Dodgers evidently are looking at changing pieces. They would move some contracts out, not bring certain guys back, take that lump sum of money and apply it towards Aaron Judge. You would say, why would he ever leave Yankee Stadium, the house that Ruth built, New York, etc., where he's beloved? He's a West Coast guy. That probably comes into the equation. And by the way, I hate to ruin some people's days in Southern California because your team, San Francisco Giants, Mm -hmm. are dropping hints they are going to be a player in the market for that guy, Aaron Judge. So I think we got a West Coast bidding war beginning between Dodgers, Giants, and what's going on uh, with the Yankees. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I hear you loud and clear there. I I do think the Giants are going to make a big run. Their old guys are retiring. They've got payroll space. They still make a ton of revenue in San Francisco. He's from a small town outside of Stockton called Linden. I have some cousins that live there. And it's just like a an agricultural community. Um, And then he, of course, went to college at at Fresno State. So it'd be great to have him back, maybe in the NL West, but oh my God, it's just going to make this division even harder. The rumor mill is the Dodgers are taking all that money because they've got a lot of older guys who had injuries and they may not bring them all back. They're going to take all that money and they're going to look at Judge and they're going to look at Carlos Correa, who's opted out already in Minnesota. Boy, that would change the whole face of giant baseball if those two guys join the collection of young guys that they've got. Let me spin back and ask you your opinion. If you were king, what would you do if you were the Dodgers with Bellinger, Justin Turner, Craig Kimbrell? Uh, Kimbrell's out. Bellinger needs a change of scenery. And uh, Turner is 
kind of on the decline, right? I mean, Justin Turner. So um, I feel those are three guys I think you've got to make moves on. One other baseball note, good guy doing really well. Send his mail to Texas. You got a question about this guy. Yeah, Bruce Bochy, he's back, you know, and we thought he retired. And, you know, we all love Boch, you know, all the time here with the Padres, had that great run in San Francisco, and now he pops up in Arlington. Three World Series rings, San Francisco Giants. That means sometime his mail is going to wind up being sent to Cooperstown mm-hmm. and the Hall of Fame. Three division titles with small budget San Diego did very well, although they didn't do very well in the World Series and in postseason play. He's got 2,003 career wins. This guy was a backup catcher with the Houston Astros and has become one of the most successful managers in baseball. Yeah, isn't it amazing how backup catchers have great runs as managers? Smart guys. Smart yeah, guys. Smart guys that sit on the bench, they watch it all, they see how the managers play the game. Uh, but good for him. I mean, we didn't expect it. I guess some of it has to do with his relationship with Chris Young, you know, in, and there's going to be a ton of money they're going to be able to spend in, 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 in Texas. They poured a lot of money into their everyday batting order. Now they have to find a way to pour money in to solve the pitching problem. I talked to baseball people about Bochy's perspective and the quotes they gave me, he's not a taskmaster. He's not a micromanager. He's old school, that cares about veteran players and knows how to relate to what the clubhouse yesterday and today is all about. He's not stubborn. He's pretty strong, though, in his baseball convictions. This is old school, new breed of Major League Baseball. It's going to be fascinating to watch what Texas Ranger baseball can become under Boach. Yeah, I think it's great to have him back in the game. He's beloved, and it's going to make the AL West a, a, a much more interesting division. Okay, before we go to the NFL, remind people about our fans forum, and again, how they can subscribe to get the alerts on our podcast when we post new stuff daily. Okay, yeah. Well, first of all, Fans Forum, this is a chance for you to participate in the podcast. Maybe you've got a hot take, a question, a comment for Hacksaw. Just type them in in the live stream in the comment section on Facebook and YouTube. We'll see here them on the screen. And at the end of our podcast, we'll have Fans Forum and Hacksaw will take your question. But definitely make sure you like subscribe and share this podcast spread the word uh let's get uh you know build hacksaw's base let's build the audience here your help really makes a difference i invite you to text to email and to tweet all your followers and your friends introduce them to what we're doing every thursday with our special podcast all right let's go to nfl football we had this guy in the spotlight last week we talked about his troubles and now it's even worse today john I mean, I was watching, you know, of course, the Padres in the playoffs over the weekend, and I was flipping back and forth to the Charger game, and I flipped over, and the Seattle Seahawks threw a touchdown pass right over Jackson's head and burned him, and now he's hurt. J.C. Jackson cost the San Diego-Los Angeles Chargers $40 million (laughs) guaranteed money, an $82 million contract, and now he's gone for the year. He had had a really bad season. We posed the question last week on our podcast that the Chargers make a mistake signing this guy who played a very different defense press coverage in New England and trying to convert him into man coverage and zone coverage schemes that are very complicated here with the Chargers. Big issue. He's played really poorly and now he's hurt. And it was a devastating injury. He went up to try to deflect or intercept the pass in the end zone. He came down hard, leg 
twisted, uh, dislocated kneecap, torn patella tendon right at the point Mm. it meets the quad. Very severe injury. Sports medicine people's quote, torn patella at the quad is as serious a knee injury as you can have. 50% of the NFL players who have had this injury, John, have never come back. Of the other 50% who've come back, only 50% of that 50% have been able to come back and play at a decent level. And the rehab from this is 10 to 12 months if there's no setbacks. This is a terrible blow to this kid who made himself a really great uh, defensive back with the Patriots. Terrible blow to the Chargers because they're on the hook for $40 million guaranteed. And we don't know. It, it might be a year to this week before we'll know whether or not he's ready to play. It's just, it was a fluke injury. It's a horrific knee injury. Just bad dose of news. And for the Chargers, they just got bad news piling on top bad news with all the injuries on this roster. Yeah, I mean, it's just gotten overwhelming for them. And, you know, some people say, you know, it's a curse, right, that follows the franchise around. But, I mean, I wish no ill will on this young man, but it's been just an all-around disappointment for everyone involved. Tell you what, you know, they're in a bye week this week, and now they move into a tougher aspect of the schedule. And they're sitting there at four and three, and they can't run the football. They've not not defended very consistently. Justin Herbert is still playing hurt, although he's he's gutting it out. He's not the quarterback that he was prior to the rib injuries. And you add into that, no left tackle. Center has a chronic knee. No Joey Bosa at defensive end for maybe another six to eight weeks coming off that groin surgery. And now you lose J.C. Jackson, and they have a whole host of other nagging injuries, including the loss of their trusted kicker, Dustin Hopkins. That's an awful lot of guys not to be on the field wrapped around Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's got no one to throw to. I mean, we got to go back and get Tony Martin, you know, off the list from the, our retired list and bring him in uh, because – This whole team seems to be disintegrating right in front of us. Yeah, and I failed to mention Keenan Allen has been out forever with a hamstring. Now Mike Williams has a significant high ankle sprain, and they've lost not only one and two, they lost their third receiver and their fourth receiver. Josh Palmer's hurt with a hip, Mm. and Jalen Guyton's gone for the year with a knee. That's four receivers. I mean, what they've got is volunteers off the street corner. So it's... This is a tough road to hoe, and they start playing real people. I'm talking about the Aaron Rodgers of the world coming up in the next couple of weeks. So real tough news for the Chargers. Let's talk about what did not happen and what did happen. Let's talk about the Rams because they're scuffling and struggling, and they didn't get the deal done because the enemy got the deal done. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey has been in the news. This is the Stanford star, right? So, you know, he's back on the West Coast, and it was a, a bidding war, and the Rams came up short. San Francisco got this running back, and he played briefly for the 49ers last week, and he will be their heavy-duty guy going forward. Run it, catch it, blitz block for it, complete football players. Had a lot of injuries. Now, he was he was the war horse in Carolina. They asked him to do everything, run the ball, catch the ball, etc. And he had major injuries. He's missed 23 games in about a two-and-a-half-year span with different things. But he is back. He's totally healthy. San Francisco outbid the Rams. San Francisco traded a second, a third, and a fourth in the next draft, and then a fifth-round pick the year after. They didn't have any number ones because they traded three number ones to get the quarterback, Trey Lance, who's currently hurt. So they've taken all their currency, and they have spent it 
but you add this guy with the quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, with the wide receiver running back Debo Samuel, with the other wide receiver Brandon Aok, and with tight ends they've got, and a physical force offense, and one of the top-rated defenses in the NFL, San Francisco suddenly looks like the real deal. And the John Lynch is putting all of his chips in the middle of the table, right? I mean, so this is exciting uh, th- that the 49ers can be back in it. I mean, th- this is my childhood team that I grew up with. So by all means, I'm, I'm ecstatic. And I think it's exciting for them to have a marquee running back. I mean, I remember in the 80s, they had Roger Craig, who was such a special player that could catch it, that could run the ball, that could do so many things at a high level. Maybe McCaffrey is going to be the next coming. And for the Rams, you know, they've spent a lot of draft pick current making trades. They've got a real veteran team. Defense is hanging in there. Offense is not getting the job done. They've got terrible injuries on the offensive front. They have a vacancy at running back. They don't have number one picks to spend. That's the big issue. And they traded a bunch of other choices. So they were really not able to kind of put together the package deal. And even though they could take McCaffrey's contract on this year, Next year, when his contract jumps to almost $17 million, they'd have the cap space because they'd given it already to Aaron Donald. And they gave it to Jalen Ramsey mm. and they gave it to Matthew Stafford. So the Rams are really painted into a very, very tough corner. And by the way, the Rams are going to get a close-up look at Christian McCaffrey. Rams, 49ers this weekend. Oh, it's going to be great. I oh. mean, so they're going to get a dose of him twice a year. I mean, they've, well, they missed the one game in Santa Clara, right? Cap McCaffrey wasn't there. But this is just going to make the rivalry even better, you know, because here you got a guy, one team won, one team lost out on him. It's just going to create some great drama. Quarterbacks make the NFL. If you got a quarterback, lucky you. And if you don't have one, boy, you're in trouble. Well, this is a weird story out of Indianapolis that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, this was really weird because I remember at the beginning of the year when we did our NFL preview, we were high on Matt Ryan and going to the Colts and maybe he could be the missing piece. But now he's clearly not the guy. Well, Matt Ryan's been benched and the general manager and the coach indicated he is benched for the rest of the season. This guy's put up unbelievable statistics. He led the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl. Uh, he might be a periphery Hall of Fame quarterback just based on the yardage that he's thrown to. When he went to Indianapolis, and I remember talking to you about this on Labor Day weekend when we did our preview show, I said, this guy is going to be what Philip Rivers was to Indianapolis in yeah. a one-year rental. And he got there, and everybody around him got hurt. He lost all of his wide receivers, led by the USC star Michael Pittman. Both of his running backs, led by Jonathan Taylor, the tremendous young talent, Wisconsin banged up and hurt, have not played with any consistency. And then all of his offensive linemen got hurt. He has taken a horrific pounding. Uh, Nine interceptions. He's fumbled the ball 11 times. He's taken 24 quarterback sacks. And now he's got a labor injury. That's part of the reason he's not playing this weekend. But then they announced he's out for the rest of the year in terms of being a starter. Even if he's healthy, he's not going to play. And we find out why. Jim Irsay, the owner, went to Frank Reich, the coach, and he told Frank Reich, this guy's got a monster contract next year. If he plays the rest of the season and gets hurt and can't play again, 
we take a $17 million cap hit next season. That's the way the contract was structured. So this this is a little bit about him being banged up. This is a little bit about him not playing very well and the team is really banged up. But this is a big picture thing. The Colts committed to this guy that he was going to drive him deep into the AFC playoffs. And now they're walking away from him because they don't want to risk having to pay $17 million if he suffers a season-ending or career-ending injury the rest of the year. I think that's kind of a garbage way to do business, but that's what Indianapolis and that ownership has done to Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's kind of weird when the owner kind of steps in and tells the head coach like how to manage his team, right? So that's got to be, you know, who's the head coach for Indy right now? I don't even know. Frank but, Reich. Frank Reich. Pardon me, Frank Reich. But, I mean— that's got to that's got to be bad for him. I mean, he's got a one arm tied behind his back. Um, but yeah, it's just the whole thing is just so disappointing. And then we talked about Jim Irsay last week. I mean, this guy's an outspoken guy, you know, and, a little and, bit of a loose cannon. Yeah, it's it. I don't know. I think it's a really bad way uh, to do business. I think it. I, I think indirectly, it sends a really bad message that we love you until you get hurt, and if you get hurt, we're not going to pay you. Bad storyline there. All right, before we move to our next topic, which will be about the NBA, again, we're doing this fans forum at the end of each of our podcasts. So if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're live streaming with us on Facebook, and you'd like to ask a specific sports question, write something down that you want to express an opinion on, and we'll be glad to tell you that you're right or wrong. We'll do the fans (laughs) forum right at the end. Okay, let's just deal with the NBA because this season is a week old. Holy cow, is there trouble in L.A.? Yeah, I mean, I was watching the ball game last night. I mean, the Lakers, they... I'm spacing out. Who'd they play against? It was Denver, right? They went, 0 for the season. Yeah, they're 0 for 4 to start the year, and they didn't look good at all. Um, and then, you know, the injuries for both the L.A. teams, so here we go. Okay, let's talk about the Lakers, the the unresolved Russell Westbrook situation. He's got $47 million left on the final year of the contract. The Lakers have talked and talked and talked to teams about the potential of a trade, and the big issue right now is nobody wants the contract. And if they're going to take the contract on, they're telling the Lakers, you've got to give us players and you got to give us what's left of your number one picks in the future. The Lakers would have no way to rebuild if LeBron James is retired or injured or Anthony Davis gets hurt again. They'd have no resources at all. So that's why they've not made the deal. So you got Westbrook, who's there. Is he a starter? Well, he's played poorly. They had him come off the bench. He did not play well there. And now he's got a hamstring issue. The most stunning thing to me, and he he had a great career at Oklahoma City. I mean, he was dangerous, and he was explosive, and he was a complete player. What shocks me the most about Russell Westbrook, he's lost his ability to play. You know, the the second game of the season, when they really needed him, he went 0 for 11 shooting from the floor. And he was like a minus 21 defensively when he was on the floor. He's lost his ability to play, and he's he's still got this attitude, I'm Russell Westbrook, look what I've done, Mr. Triple-Double. Doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's really odd because you know, when a player is at the top of the league and then suddenly they're over. So it's got to be something between the ears that's just kind of holding them back. Yeah. And then the other team in town, the L.A. Clippers, who I think have the potential to have a really great roster if they can keep them on the floor, we're a week into the season. Kawhi Leonard's had two major injuries. One was a torn quad in San Antonio. The other was a torn knee ligament at the end of his run uh, with the Clippers in Toronto. He sat out all year. He rehabbed all year. He did everything he needed to do. And a week into the season, 
they're having to rest him and sit him because he's got stiffness in the knee that he had the torn ACL surgery on. Sports medicine guy that I canvassed with came back to me, and he said, if he's got stiffness in this knee at this point, after 16 months, that means there's something wrong inside that knee that's causing swelling and stiffness. Now, I don't know whether it's scar tissue or there's something else going on. They have not done an MRI yet, but he can't play. And this this is after, and they parsed his minutes out. That was the unique thing. In the first couple of games, he only played in seven-minute spurts. He played 21 minutes total. It was seven coming off the bench. Then he rests. Then seven coming off the bench. And then seven in the second half. They did that two games in a row. And then third game, can't play. Stiffness in the knee. So Westbrook's situation may be between the ears. Kawhi situation looks like a wear and tear factor, and that really worries me that he's had this flare-up already after doing everything they needed to do for 16 months. Yeah, it's it's really disappointing, you know, especially as an Aztec fan loving Kawhi. Um, but it's it's just that injury was was pretty brutal, and so he he sounded like he was in the best shape of his life going into this season. So this is just really unfortunate. But going back to the Westbrook topic, doesn't it seem like the Lakers and the Rams are kind of in a similar boat where they're just fully extended? They don't have a lot of options left, um, and the future for those two franchises could be in trouble. Yeah, I think the future looks like a dark alley, and we don't walk down dark alleys very often, do we? <laughs> no. Uh, the other basketball item, this is a global basketball story that's not going away, is yet to be resolved. Yeah, I mean, the, the Brittany Griner uh, topic is in the news. It's in national media. And with the war going on in Ukraine, I mean, there's a lot of angles and implications to this. But uh, what's the latest with her? Well, she formally appealed the nine-year prison sentence for drug possession. The Russian judge rejected the appeal, sent her back to prison. Uh, at this point, it stalled. She's been in prison almost eight months now because she got arrested at the airport with vape chemicals in her suitcase, prescribed marijuana because Mm -hmm. of pain and injuries. Here it's legal in the States. In Russia, it's illegal. Uh, What we're led to believe is that now the negotiations, because of the rejection of her appeal, the negotiations are going to pick up for a prisoner swap. And to me, it's critical that that they execute this because there's a mental health issue involving Brittany Griner as it relates to depression. Mm-hmm. And I cannot imagine what that young woman is going through in a Russian stalag. It oh. can't be a very good lifestyle at all. I mean, she's clearly a pawn in the in the larger matter of world affairs. But I was reading that. Because she got this final sentence, now she's in a position where the where the prisoner swap can occur. Um, so now you have to leave it up to government officials, and hopefully they can pull off something. Political prisoner of war. That's what she is. 100%. One other note. A month from now, you think you'll be getting up in the middle of the night? <laughs> like I'll be getting up in the middle of the night? You watch, know I will. Watch World Cup soccer? It's going to be great. I mean, I love World Cup soccer. I love when we get all these nations together. And and it just brings a sense of community in each nation and amongst all the nations on the planet. And as I like to say, it's the creme de la creme. Now, there's controversy. You know, Team USA had a good run to qualify for the World Cup. And in the last group of friendlies, they've really played poorly. But they've got weeks to put this side together, led by Christian Pulisic. In Mexico, I don't understand this at all. 
I know there's personality clashes. I know guys come from different backgrounds. Everybody's cut from a very different cloth. How could El Tri, how could the Mexican side not have that guy, Chicharito, Javier Hernandez, on their World Cup team? They just announced their roster last night. This guy leads MLS in scoring for LA Galaxy. This guy is the all-time leading scorer in international games in Mexico with 52. And he was left off the roster because of an ongoing personality clash with Tato Martino, the coach of Mexico, who I project is going to get fired maybe during the World Cup, maybe right after the World Cup. He has included on his roster two European players who are Mexicans who are hurt. Raul Jimenez, he's got a chronic hamstring, and Juan Corona, who suffered a broken leg. Neither one is playing, neither one is practicing abroad, and yet they were on the roster, and Chicharito was not. Mexican fans ought to be in a rage over this. Yeah, I mean, they should be in a rage. I mean, this is one of their top guys, and it's just some, you know, drama, personality clash. I mean, get over it. You need to get this guy on the roster. I mean, we root for USA, but I'm always paying attention to what the Mexican team is doing since we're right here in a border town. Uh, so, God, it just doesn't make sense sometimes. When every, everybody needs goal scoring in soccer. Yeah. 52 career goals internationally wearing their colors and you don't include him on the roster because there's something he said about the coach back in the day, a coach is not going to be the coach, I think, based on this decision. I think it's going to be catastrophic for Mexico. Yeah. I mean, it's just brutal. And you know all, all the Mexican fans are going to be getting together. They're going to be, you know, just like we are in America. You know, we go flood the sports bars, and we're all there wearing our colors. And they're going to be thinking, hey, we got a shot, but why don't we have our best guy, you know, or one of our top guys on the team? I mean, it's just got to be so disappointing. Put the guy out on the pitch and let the guy play. Let the guy do his thing. I don't care what he thinks of you or you think of him. It's all about the flag. At least that's what I think. Yeah. And am I, am I the only? Am I the only one in San Diego and on the West Coast that wakes up at four thirty in the morning on Saturdays to watch the English Premier League? No. Well, you know, my son does that when he was when he was here, and he was dragging me into it as well. So, I mean. I, I love the game of soccer. I just wish Americans embraced it more. Well, they do every four years. They do it when we get to the World Cup. I'll guarantee you that. And, you know, the, when, when Team USA they missed the World Cup, we were all brokenhearted. But eight years ago, when they were in the World Cup, the Landon Donovan-led team, mm-hmm. I remember driving down Interstate 15 and seeing U.S. flags, soccer flags, and people hanging pictures of Landon Donovan on the overpasses and the freeways. I mean, it was so cool. And San Diego has the highest TV ratings for World Cup soccer in America. In America. Now, maybe not in Mexico, maybe not in Spain, Portugal, France, etc. The African countries. But in America, the San Diego market, pretty good. Okay, let's move on. Fans Forum. If you got a question, hope you've posted it. Uh, Make it it a solid question. Have a take. Let us know what you want to know, and we'll tell you what we have to know. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, This one here is from Brett Shepard. He says, come on, you know the World Series is going to be boring. Home run derby? (laughs) Boring? No. Uh, Now, I don't don't know if it's going to be an artistic success. I don't know that we're going to have two one-pitchers duels. When you got guys who can go yard any time in the game, especially at Minute Maid Park and Citizens Bank 
Park. Balls are going to be flying out of there. It's, I think it's going to be a cool World Series. I know it's not the Yankees and Dodgers, and I know historically everybody likes big market baseball and, and you know, hates the enemy and all that, but I think this is really going to be a fun World Series just because both of them got big bats. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, the Houston Astros are sort of like the villain, right? Oh, you think? Yeah, you think. And <laughs> and then the Phillies, you know, they're like the all-American team where the nation was born in Philadelphia. And you've got all these big stars on offense and on the pitching mound. I mean, this is going to be, I think, a great World Series. I'm looking forward to it. And it's a historic footnote. This might be the first Christmas in Philadelphia. Those fans don't boo Santa Claus. <laughs> I don't know. You know, they're they're uh, that's a brutal fan base up there. Next question. We got another good one coming here. All right. Well, this is just some commentary here from Mike O'Connor. I'll let you read that one from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. You're damn right. Um, you know, it's people ask me where did I come up with that phrase because that was the first thing that came out of my mouth when I I became the afternoon drive sports anchor at the original great sports station, Extra Sports 690. Well, the, the, the mini story is I was coming across the country, driving from Cleveland to Phoenix, and then obviously when I was moving from Phoenix to San Diego to be the voice of the Chargers, and, and I, I was the first guy they hired to do sports talk on what would become, evolve into the legendary station. As I was driving here, I was trying to think, how how can I package my show? And my show has always been about data and information and late-breaking stories and newsmaker line guests, but there's always slug lines that I used to use. Mm-hmm. I said, I need to come up with something, and then it dawned on me. Extra 690, 77,000 watts based out of Mexico, Mexican license. Mm-hmm. Blowtorch signal up and down the West Coast. You can hear us at night everywhere. I said, I got to come up with something. And bingo, light bulb went on from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. Yeah. And that's true because I have listened to the station in the Pacific Northwest at night. Mm-hmm. And I had friends that listened to me in White Rock, British Columbia, which is east of Vancouver. So signal goes everywhere. So that's where Baja to the Canadian Rockies came from. Yeah, I love that. It's just a classic line. So, And people love you for it, so which just makes it a lot of fun. So, you know, here's a follow-up. Actually, a similar comment here from SI. He says, wow, commentary, fact-based, instead of feeling opinion-based. What a revelation. Uh, you are correct. We are bleeping brilliant here on this podcast. Uh, my favorite philosophy was ask a question, get an answer. Don't like the answer, too bad for you. But here's the information, and here's the data. And... Uh, I love doing sports talk. I miss it. Wish I was still doing it. It's got to be the correct set of circumstances to to do it. But I'll tell you what, this guy found me and said, we ought to do a podcast. Yeah. And look at what we've done. And by the way, speaking of World Series, we're hitting a home run with this podcast in terms of the number of people that are tracking us, watching us, listening to us, mm-hmm. and passing the information on. So uh, I appreciate all the support. Yeah, all good, Lee. And uh, and here's a comment from Ralph Lopez. He goes, NFL trades. I mean, there's a, b- a bunch of things that are going on in the NFL. It's not That's, just McCaffrey. Ralph, thank you. That's a real, real vibrant co- uh, question to ask. The NFL's changed. Um, I think it's maybe the new breed of general managers that have now moved into NFL decision-making jobs, just like the new breed of general managers in Major League Baseball have changed the landscape of that game. We now have guys that are unafraid to make deals. And I think the whole philosophy is, new general manager, I didn't draft you. I didn't sign you to that mega contract. If I don't think you can play, 
I will move you and get guys that I think can play or, or currency draft picks that I can use to go get the kind of guy that I want. I, th- I think just that the general manager of this day are a new breed, and I think that's why the NFL's changed. And by the way, uh, Ralph, the NFL trade deadline is November 1, and they moved it way up because they didn't want in the NFL what's happened to baseball and what's happened to the NBA tanking and that's mm-hmm. they don't want teams tanking right before the playoffs or in the playoff run uh and well that's another topic for another day but uh, trading deadline is november 1st and obviously teams are no longer afraid to deal away draft picks maybe that's got to do with the big salary cap that most clubs have access to if i trade all these picks that's okay because I got expiring contracts and I'll have a huge amount of salary cap money to go get free agents to fill in what I might be losing with the draft picks. But Ralph, thank you for the question. Hey, listen, for all the people that enjoy our podcast on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, and all the audio platforms, I will ask you uh, to tweet, text, and email all your friends. Introduce them to our podcast every Thursday. You can watch it live stream, or obviously it's on all the platforms. You can follow up and follow it. And then, of course, during the week, John and I get together and say, okay, let's cherry pick this topic off the table and we'll put it on a little special view clip. Uh, So you'll be alerted also if you subscribe Mm -hmm. uh, to our podcast, you'll know when there's new inventory that's being presented. Yeah, it's, it's all good, man. Topics on the table all week long. World Series, I like a lot of cheese, plus onions and peppers on my Philly cheesesteak. When Houston beats Philadelphia, your Phillies, make sure you pay off the bet. Okay, and and if I win, you owe me some Tex-Mex. You got it. Hey, thanks for being part of our podcast. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Enjoy the World Series. We'll chat with you next week. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.